Today on the Matt Wall Show, the media went wall-to-wall with coverage of a white woman in New York who supposedly tried to steal a bike from a group of black teens. The story was completely made up, and the woman was herself the victim, but we can learn a lot from this story and the victim's own response to it. Also, Nebraska is the latest state to ban the mutilation of children. The reaction from trans activists has been as calm and measured as you would expect. Plus, Target is celebrating gay pride by teaming up with a clothing company that makes Satanist merchandise. In our daily cancellation, the ACLU claims that a, quote, trans girl has been banned from his high school graduation ceremony uh, for being trans. The truth is, of course, very different. We'll talk about all that and more today on Matt Walsh Show. President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home, quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar, inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is, there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times, and that is gold. I bought gold from Perch Gold in uh, preparation for uncertain economic times, and you can trust them too. You can own gold in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. The best part is you don't pay a penny out of pocket up front. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does a dollar have? You can protect your savings with gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers, and you can find out why by texting Walsh to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold. Again, text Walsh to 989898 today. A few weeks ago, a 66-year-old handyman named Lawrence Herr was installing a mailbox outside of a home in Kenner, Louisiana, toiling away in the heat, working past retirement age to provide for his sick 90-year-old mother. And that's when two men in their 20s, Taj Matthews and Maurice Holmes were their names, drove by. And unlike Lawrence Herr, Taj and Maurice were not productive members of society. They were not the kinds of people you'd want living in your neighborhood or anywhere near your kids. Maurice Holmes had just gotten out of prison on a six-year sentence for domestic violence. And that day, Maurice Holmes and Taj Matthews were supposed to be at their jobs at IHOP, but they pretended to be sick so that they could take the day off. And a few hours after getting out of work, they passed Lawrence Herr for the first time as he was working on the mailbox. Surveillance footage shows that the two men drove by and then made a U-turn and passed by Lawrence Herr again. And then they made another U-turn and they drove past a second time and then another U-turn. On the third pass, Maurice Holmes handed a 9mm pistol to Taj Matthews, who then proceeded to shoot her in the back. Lawrence Herr bled out next to the mailbox as the two men drove away. Now, why would these two young men decide to skip work so that they could stalk and murder a handyman in the middle of the day? Didn't take long for the police to answer that question. According to authorities, quote, One of the two suspects has admitted to his role in the crime, explaining that they wanted to go out and kill a white guy. Maurice Holmes and Taj Matthews were black, and Lawrence Herr was white. So they executed him. Now, these men, they didn't know Lawrence Herr. They didn't get into some kind of altercation with him that day. Uh, He didn't shout the N-word at them while they drove past. Not that that would justify it. They just decided to take a day off work to go hunting for white people. And so they did. Here's an official with the Kenner Police Department laying out the details. Listen. There's some of the confession of Taj Matthews who uh, admitted to taking part in the homicide, that they did uh, want to commit a murder that day, and specifically uh, they've ruled out Hispanics, and they said it was going to be a white person. Uh, within a couple blocks of their residence, or their starting point, they did find uh, Mr. Herr, 
out working on a mailbox doing what he does and, and shot him in the back. Now, no mainstream media outlet in the country has covered this story from what I've seen. CNN, Fox News, The New York Times, New York Post. You can search any of their websites for Lawrence Herr, and you can check me on this, and you'll get no results. Instead, instead of talking about Lawrence Herb, who was executed for his race in the middle of the day, uh, instead they spent the past week going wall to wall with an obviously fake story about a pregnant white physician's assistant in New York City who supposedly decided to, out of nowhere one day, uh, terrorize some black people. You now, you probably know the, de- the details by now about this story. According to the media, Sarah Comrie uh, got off her 12 hour shift at Bellevue and, for some utterly perplexing reason, decided to steal a city bike from a group of black teens. She would be, I think, perhaps the first middle-aged white woman to attempt to mug a bunch of black males. Okay? This, this doesn't happen. We've never seen anything like it before. It would be totally unprecedented in world history, and yet no media outlets did any research or investigation into this version of events. We were supposed to simply accept it at face value, and many people did. And they did so based entirely on this out-of-context video. Let's see it. No, no, record it, record it, record it, record it. Help me. Please help me. This is not your bike. Please help me. This is not your bike. Please help me. Help. Please get off me. What the is going on, bro? Please, yo. Yo, don't take it, bro. Now you're not getting the bike, bro. Now you're not getting the bike. Help. Why you took his phone? What's wrong with you? Don't touch his phone. Do not touch his phone. I'm not touching you. You put your stomach on my head. Madu, stop. No, Madu, stop. No, no, no. No. I said no. I said sit down. Guys, guys, guys. Please help. Touch my bike. She's just crying. Hassan. You're not crying. You're not crying. I got stupid. I got your video. Wait, you pulled it out? Hey, 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 hey. Hassan, you pulled it out? Hassan. Hassan, you pulled it out? Uh, this is my bike. It's on my account. Yeah, Please move. All right, so why don't we say- So that was the incident, which you've probably seen in the video. Here's how the New York Post covered that clip. This was the headline. Quote, NYC hospital Karen on leave after being accused of trying to take black man's bike in viral video. Uh, the article goes on to mock Sarah Comrie, saying that she, quote, appears to start crying theatrically in the video. Now, this is the New York Post we're talking about, which broke the Hunter Biden laptop story. They're capable of doing real investigative journalism on occasion, and sometimes they do. But what they did here is use a racial slur in a headline to spread an obvious lie about a pregnant hospital worker. And and yes, Karen is a racial slur. I, I reiterated this point on Twitter a few days ago, and of course, a large gaggle of idiots, like usual, pretended that they had no idea what I was talking about. How could Karen be a racial slur? That's ridiculous. But everyone knows the truth. Even an article in the BBC from 2020 acknowledges that the Karen meme references, quote, a specific type of middle-class white woman, and it became popular, quote, as a way for people of color, particularly black Americans, to satirize this type of white person. In other words, it's a derogatory label that one race of people uses to describe members of another race, otherwise known as a racial slur. That's what a racial slur is. So I wonder, what other racial slurs does the New York Post allow in their style guide? Do they have any racial slurs for the black teenagers who lied about this woman stealing a city bike? Why not? And and what if the Daily Wire started running headlines with the name Shaniqua as a pejorative for annoying black women? Would all the people defending the Karen slur remain so open-minded? I think we all know the answer. 
Now, it's not even worth going into the details of the Sarah Comrie story because the woman's lawyer literally provided the actual receipt. Sarah Comrie rented the bike. That's not in dispute. The teenagers apparently swapped the QR codes so that she would unlock the bike that they were sitting on, which they could then steal. And that happens a lot in New York City uh, now that crime has been decriminalized. What's interesting is why anyone, journalists or otherwise, pretended to believe this story for so long. Why would anyone pretend to believe, again, that a white middle-aged woman who just got off a 12-hour shift at a hospital tried to steal a bike from black teenagers? Are people just afraid of Ben Crump and the race hustlers like him? It's possible. Here's what Crump tweeted as soon as that video uh, came out. Quote, this is unacceptable. A white woman was caught on camera attempting to steal a city bike from a young black man in NYC. She grossly tried to weaponize her tears to paint this man as a threat. This is exactly the type of behavior that has endangered so many black men in the past. Of course, Ben Crump capitalized the B in black, but not the W in white, just to underscore, you know, the racial hierarchy. It could be that thugs and liars like Ben Crump are the reason why mainstream media outlets continue to lie about this story, even after Comrie's lawyer provided the receipts. Here's NBC News, for example, quote, a New York City hospital employee has been placed on leave after a viral video that appeared to show her attempting to take a rental bike from a group of young black men garnered millions of views. That's journalistic malpractice, obviously, but the truth is that this is not just a media story. It goes much deeper than that. Consider the fact that even after the truth came out, the victim is the one who's been apologizing. Here's a, a groveling quote from Sarah Comrie's GoFundMe page, which uh, is over $100,000 now, I think. Quote, Sarah holds racial justice and equity dear and has dedicated her life to serving NYC's most challenged individuals. Translation, Sarah Comrie, like so many other white women in this country, got what she voted for. And even when she's confronted with the reality of what she supports, she still feels that she has to affirm it. The woman has had her life ripped to shreds by a mob of racist ghouls. I mean, they are trying to destroy her for fun. That's why she was targeted by these kids in the first place, just for fun. Take her bike and destroy her life, because why not? For sport. And still she signals her allegiance to the very predators who have made her the prey. And this is far from the first case like this. Remember, uh, remember Amy Cooper? A few years back, some whack job named Christian didn't like that Amy Cooper's dog wasn't on a leash in Central Park. So what does he do about that? Well, according to his own posts on Facebook... Christian tried to lure the woman's dog away from her with treats. And here's what Christian told Amy Cooper, quote, Look, if you're going to do what you want, I'm going to do what I want, but you're not going to like it. Come here, puppy. Then Christian wrote, quote, I pulled out dog treats I carry just for such intransigence. Amy Cooper's life was destroyed because she called the police on that lunatic, who again is the one who instigated this whole thing. She lost her job. Like Sarah Comrie, she was attacked for her skin color. And in the end, she was the one who apologized. I'm not a racist, she insisted. Now, there's a reason the media has to lie about the stories of Sarah, Sarah Comrie and Amy Cooper, not to mention the most egregious recent example, which was Daniel Penny. And the reason is simple. It's because they can't find videos and news stories of white people going out and hunting black people. It just doesn't happen. They lie and pretend it happens all the time, and a lot of white leftists believe it, even when their lives come crashing down because of it, but it's not true. 
And the people spreading this narrative, they know that it isn't true. Just this weekend, the NAACP Board of Directors issued a travel advisory for Florida. And they were warning that the state, under the leadership of that infamous white supremacist Ron DeSantis, is not safe for black people. Not safe for black people because of white people, just to be clear. But, but guess where the board's chairman lives? Florida, of course. So these people don't believe their own nonsense. But they expect you to believe it. Or at least pretend that you do. On the other hand, black people committing crimes against white people for sport is common. In fact, it's so common now that it's one of the fastest growing genres on social media. Here's just one example from the UK. Watch as a black TikToker perpetrates a kind of casual home invasion, walking into a random white family's home for the sake of going viral. Watch this. James? Yeah. Come to the front door right now, please. James? Yeah. James? Hi. You might come. Hello, James. We need to speak to James. James? Hi. Hi. Um, is that James? Is this no, where the study group is? No. No. What do I understand? No. Um, study group? Yeah, no. Five, three, and four. Oh, you got kids? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, oh, I thought this was a study group. I actually thought. And this is study Yeah, maybe that family there in the UK is learning why uh, we have the Second Amendment here in the United States. There's another one where that same guy goes into a random person's car, just opens the car and sits in it while, that, while the person is in the car. Another one where he steals a random woman's dog, and the victims in all of these cases are white, so maybe it's not so random after all. Now, to state the obvious, you don't see this kind of thing happening in the reverse, there are no viral videos of white people stealing from black people or invading their homes, all for internet clout. It goes one way because it can only go one way. The racial hierarchy has been firmly established. Speaking of which, yesterday UC Berkeley held its graduation ceremony. It was a, it was a wonderful celebration for all of Berkeley's graduates. Well, not all of them, just the black ones, of course. This was their black graduation. Watch. Ms. Anderson said the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Receiving a Bachelor of Arts in Disciplinary Studies field, Political Economy, Legal Studies, and African American Studies. He said disbursement and allocation, reparations for African Americans. It's our nation's finest scholars, to be sure. It does look at least more entertaining than your average graduation ceremony, I'll say that much. And that was just one of the many race-based graduation ceremonies at tax-funded college campuses across the country this month. Many universities offer special ceremonies for black students and members of other privileged races. Um, no university offers anything special for white students. Segregation is back in a big way. And as Sarah Comrie and Daniel Penny have recently discovered, so is lynching. This is life now in the United States of America, and it's all happening by design. Now let's get to our five headlines.
You know, buying a new car can be a stressful experience for anyone, especially if you're a first-time buyer or if you have no credit. Uh, before you walk into a dealership and spend the entire day with the crowds, the stress, the potential to not even find the right car, you need to check out CarZing. CarZing is completely changing the way you buy a car online. By partnering with credit agencies, lenders, and over 25,000 uh, dealers nationwide, CarZing provides you with everything you need before stepping foot into a dealership. You can instantly pre-qualify online without affecting your credit score, and you get instant financing details, including what your down payment would be, your monthly payment, your terms, APR, putting you several steps ahead of other buyers. And once you find the right car at your ideal budget, all you have to do is uh, bring your saved deal voucher with you to the dealership to finalize your next ride. It's really simple. It takes the stress out of it as well. Even if you're not in the market for a new car, you should check out CarZing anyway. It's like window shopping. Just poke around, see what's available in your area. CarZing helps make your experience faster, cheaper, and less stressful. You can visit CarZing.com Walsh today to skip the guesswork and find the best deals near you. That's CarZing.com Walsh. So we'll begin in Nebraska, which is the latest state to pass a law protecting children from mutilation and castration, among other abuses. The always uh, objective and unbiased ABC News reports, quote, Nebraska lawmakers voted on Friday to restrict abortion access after 12 weeks and to ban gender affirming care for trans youth. The bill passed by the Nebraska legislature in a 33 to 15 vote. We'll head over to Republican Governor Jim Pillen's desk, where it's expected to be signed into law. The bill will prohibit uh, gender-affirming procedures for anyone under the age of 19 and give the state's chief medical officer responsibility for establishing limitations on hormone therapy and puberty blockers for the same age range. Abortions will also be prohibited after 12 weeks of pregnancy. There will only be exceptions in cases of rape, incest, or to save the life of the pregnant person. Save the life of the pregnant person, not save the life of the mother. Notice that change has been made. Um, uh, because, you know, in case any fathers get pregnant. Happens all the time. That's science, folks. In April, a bill to ban abortion once cardiac activity, activity can be detected, which is usually around six weeks, failed. Legislative Bill 574 comes after a wave of legislation that have taken place in other states like Texas and Florida, which have passed similar legislation restricting or prohibiting the provision of gender-affirming health care to minors. Um, and Tennessee as well. Uh, so this is the latest state. Now, notice how permissive and liberal this legislation actually is. I mean, I support it. Don't get me wrong. Whatever you can do to restrict gender mutilation, whatever you can do to restrict baby murder, you should do. Um, uh, you know, do, doing something is better than nothing. I'm a firm believer in that. I, I wish it was banned completely. I'd ban all of it completely if I could. But if you can't pass that, then pass what you can. People who demand all or nothing when it comes to legislation are really demanding nothing. That's, uh, you know, there's, there's this argument about um, whether we should have an incremental approach or not. Well, of course, it has to be incremental. The other option is literally nothing. And so if you'd prefer nothing, then we're not even on the same side. But my point is that this legislation, it still allows for abortions for three months. Okay, you have, you have three months to kill your baby. That's, a, that's a, a long grace period where baby murder is still allowed. And it allows doctors, of course, to mutilate, sterilize, perform all manner of Frankenstein butchery on confused people. Um, and, uh, and, you know, all that can still happen, just not when the patient is an actual child. So these are relatively minor restrictions. Important as they protect children, but it's, it's not like this is some kind of far-reaching radical law. And yet, of course, as always, the left is sent into hysterics about it. Here's a Nebraska State Senator Michaela Kavanaugh giving 
a speech on the House floor yeah, uh, over the weekend as this bill was, was uh, officially passed. And I don't know if we can really call it a speech, but whatever she's doing, uh, here it is. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. Will you please stop, though? Could you could you stop? At least for right now, because I can only take so much of that. That is, you look up shrill in the dictionary, and uh, and it's, that's what you find right there. Um, and that's that's really it. That's all they have. I mean, that's their entire argument. That That is it. And you notice that this kind of thing is only on one side. Um, in every video of somebody screaming the same phrase over and over again, or maybe not even screaming a phrase, if it's a video, they're just, just screaming these guttural you know, noises. They can't even articulate actual words, um, like they're having some kind of stroke. You know, it's, it's always on the pro-trans side that that happens, always. And the reason is that here on Team Sanity, we have actual uh, points we, we have arguments and ideas, and we have uh, facts. There are actual facts that we want to present. We want to say, here, here are the facts. Listen to these facts. So you give us the microphone, and we will lay out our case, which is why, on, for trans activists, what they prefer is to make sure we don't have the microphone so we can't lay out our case. But if we have the microphone, we're going to lay out our case, and we're going to say, here's what we believe. Here's why we believe it, and we're going to give you all the evidence. You give the other side the microphone, and they have a verbal seizure because that's, that is all they have. They don't have arguments. They cannot actually articulate why it is not only a good idea, but in fact medically necessary to sterilize and castrate children. They can't do it. We've given them plenty of opportunity to do it, and they... None of them have come up with an argument. I've listened to them. I've had many conversations, but um, I've yet to hear the actual argument. It doesn't exist. There isn't one. All they have is emoting. They have emotions. That's all they have. Uh, Daily Wire has this report. Target is facing facing backlash over a designer uh, featured in the company's Pride collection who appears to have created products with satanic imagery. Now, one thing we should note as we read on here uh, is that um, anyone who's making uh, pride, anyone who's, who's making anything related to, to pride, uh, the, the pride flag and all that, it's always it's all satanic imagery to begin with. But this is so I think we should say that this is explicitly satanic imagery. Um, Scarlett Johnson, an activist from Wisconsin, went viral on Twitter this weekend with a thread explaining why she is done with the retailer. In particular, Johnson took issue with Target listing three items on its online store um, from uh, Ab Pralin, a London-based designer of products that sometimes mix imagery and messages about gender with the macabre. None of the three colorful apparel items for sale on the uh, label on Target's website have satanic, satanic imagery. The catalog includes a We Belong Everywhere mini messenger bag for 
Another is a too queer for here tote bag for $18. And a third is a cure transphobia, not trans people sweatshirt for $25. All are listed under pride adult clothing. But Johnson highlighted other products for sale that are shown on the uh, website for this designer and associated Instagram account with about 25,000 followers. Among them is a skeleton draped in rainbow colors, a trans witches for abortion badge, and a Satan respects pronouns t-shirt. Johnson's thread, which has been retweeted thousands of times since it began on Saturday, with many other uh, users criticizing Target and some even calling for a boycott, others complimented the products and questioned why Johnson had a problem with the designer's work. Uh, the product page for the Satan Respects Pronoun shirt talks about how LGBT plus people are so often referred to as being a product of Satan or going against God's will, while making the case that the Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple are more accepting of the gay community. Quote, Satanists don't actually believe in Satan. He's merely used as a symbol of passion, pride, and liberty. Yeah, that's, that's true. A lot of self-professed Satanists don't believe in Satan, although Satan believes in them. Um, so when we talk about Satanists, with the, and this is why I say that leftism is Satanism. It's, it, they mean the same thing. Because Satanism is the worship of the self, right? Sa Satanists don't explicitly or, or knowingly most of the time worship Satan, unless they're actual theological, I guess what we would call theological Satanists, which most of them aren't. Um, rather, they worship what Satan worships, which is the self. And that is also leftism. Leftism is the worship of the self. So really, anything associated with leftism, any uh, slogan, anything like that associated with leftism is satanic imagery for that reason. It's just that in this case, again, it's, it's explicit. Now, we know that corporate America is being held hostage by uh, ESG, the Corporate Equality Index and all that, all these extortion methods. And that's why Bud Light jumped on the grenade. But this kind of thing... This is not just Target checking the woke box for the sake of getting their score up, right? This is, um, you don't have to promote literal outright Satanism for that. They're doing this because they believe it on a corporate level. This is who runs the company. This is what the company is all about. And consumers need to make a decision based on that. You know, we talk all the time about how these, uh, you know, we, we shouldn't support companies that hate us. And that's true. And it's also true that not every company that goes woke does it necessarily because they hate us. Not that I'm defending them. Bud Light, does Bud Light hate us? Well, no, they just, they, they are more afraid of the left than they are of us. And so they thought that they could throw a bone to the left and we wouldn't do anything about it. And they, and they thought wrong. And we, we are punishing them for that. Thank God. Um, so there is that motivation. But then in, in many cases, uh, in fact, these are companies that actually hate us, and that's, and that's Target. They truly hate us. They really do. You don't put your uh, pride display right at the front of the store. You walk into Target, and it's right there vomiting rainbows on you as soon as you walk in. You don't do that. You don't sell uh, merchandise from uh, designers that make Satanist gear. You don't sell tucking underwear for children and whatever else unless you absolutely despise your customers. And, uh, and they do. So what are we going to do about it is the question. You know, I admitted with the Bud Light thing that although I support the boycott, I helped to organize it. I think it's a great thing to continue boycotting. In spite of that, I could not actually, you know, I never personally participated in the Bud Light boycott because I can't 
because I was never a Bud Light customer to begin with on the count on account of the fact that I have functioning taste buds. So I'm, you know, it for me that it's to say that I'm boycotting is just to say that I'm going to continue doing what I've been doing all along, which is buying beer that uh, actually tastes good. Target, on the other hand, I can boycott because, of course, as a dad, six kids, uh, Target is convenient. It's relatively cheap, at least compared to other options. Um, if it's like 7.30 on a Tuesday and you realize that you need diapers or children's Tylenol or spaghetti sauce or all of those things for some reason, um, Target is often going to be the quickest and easiest solution, depending on where you live. And uh, it, it will take some measure of actual sacrifice to cut them out of the equation. It's not a big sacrifice. It's not, it's not anything significant. They aren't going to build monuments to commemorate the time that I, I needed to buy a swimsuit for my six-year-old and I drove past Target and went to Walmart instead. It's not exactly a hero's journey, but even so, it requires actual inconvenience. Okay, this is the kind of boycott. Boycotting Bud Light, this, this is why they were a good target to begin with. Um, why they made such a mistake. It's why they were so vulnerable because not only do they have a conservative customer base, but it doesn't require any sacrifice at all to just buy different beer. You go, you go to the gas station, you open up the, the, the uh, you go to the refrigerated section, you open it up, you just grab something else. That's it. But Target, you, you have to embrace a little bit of inconvenience. Um, and this is, this is the real test is whether we can successfully execute a boycott that involves inconvenience. Because inconvenience is the great horror of modern life. We, can't, uh, we cannot endure inconvenience. That's where we draw the line, usually. We'll say, okay, I'm with you. I'm on board. And then we hear, okay, it's going to require a little bit of inconvenience. Well, never mind then. <laughs> That's crazy. What do I look like? I can't be inconvenienced. But we need to be because Target needs to pay for this. Uh, a message must be sent. And um, it, it, just like with Bud Light, it is now, it's still a boycott, but it's also, they've been branded a certain way where it's embarrassing. You know, this, this is why Bud Light is probably permanently screwed because it's now embarrassing to drink a Bud Light. It should have always been embarrassing, but now it's certainly embarrassing. And it needs to be that way for Target. Like you, you should be embarrassed at this point to go to Target um, to be seen walking out of Target with those Target bags, it's, it's embarrassing. And that's what, that's what needs to happen here. All right, we have yet another GOP presidential hopeful, speaking of embarrassing, um, taking Disney's side against Ron DeSantis. And this time it's Mike Pence, unfortunately. Let's listen to that. I just don't believe it's, it's in the interests of the people of any state for a, a, a government to essentially go after a business that they disagreed with on a political issue. I disagree with Florida moving against uh, Walt Disney. I disagree with California moving against Walgreens because they're going to obey the law uh, about abortifacients in some 20 states, so they're going to cancel a $120 million project. Look, at, at the end of the day, the business of America is business. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not terribly surprised to see Disney canceling a billion-dollar contract that's only, that's only going to harm people in the Orlando and, and Florida area. And, and it's uh, one more reason why, uh, well, as a limited government conservative, uh, I, I've said for months now that I, I, I think both sides ought to stand down, mm. take the victory for parents' rights in the legislature and move on.
Um, pathetic, pathetic. And and this is now. So we got Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, uh, I, I believe Vivek Ramaswamy, and of course Donald Trump have all taken the side of Disney, the Disney groomers, against Ron DeSantis. Um, and it is pitiful. You know, we hear from Mike Pence that oh, it's going to harm the people of Florida if, if Disney isn't there. If we don't capitulate to Disney and allow them to sexualize our kids, it's going to harm the people of Florida. Well, how does it harm the people of Florida? How does it harm uh, children all across the country to have Disney um, sexualizing children and supporting things like, you know, the castration and mutilation of kids? And supporting things like pornographic content in elementary schools, which is where this all began. Yeah, because that, that's, what, that's what Florida was trying to get rid of in elementary schools. And Disney came out against them um, on that. Using all of their enormous wealth and power and influence to um, support, again, the sexualization, corruption, abuse, and mutilation of kids. So is that, what's a bigger harm, Mike? What's more harmful to the country? To have Disney engaging in this kind of behavior and attacking children um, or for there to be some kind of consequence for that, to actually push back against it. It is, uh, it's absolutely pathetic and I, we shouldn't have to explain why, I mean, especially if you, and this is why, not that I'm surprised, but from Pence in particular, it's especially disappointing because his kind of brand is to be a, a social conservative, someone who understands why the culture matters. Well, you aren't going to make any progress in the culture when, when you know, we say a, a corporation like Disney is what, off limits? Because they provide a lot of jobs? You know, if there's if there's a, a lot of money and a lot of jobs to be um, to be found in the business of sexualizing kids, well, that's that's a problem that needs to be fixed, and we're not going to fix it as long as the Republican Party is held hostage by corporate interests, corporate interests who already hate them. They already hate you. Disney already hated Ron DeSantis and every Republican. They hate you, Mike Pence. Okay, and they're they're working against you and everything that you say you believe. So you come out and defend them, and what do you get in exchange for that? You don't even get anything for. It. I mean, at, at least if uh, I thought that by Pence and Haley and the rest of them coming out and defending Disney, that Disney it's because Disney is going to donate to their campaigns or something, that would make it okay. But at least on a on a on a self serving level, I could understand it. It would still be pathetic and cowardly, but then you kind of know why they're doing it. Oh, well, you're selling out for, for the money. Well, okay, it's, it's, yeah, a billion other people have done that. Everyone in politics does it, doesn't make it okay. But in this case, it's all the more pitiful because there, it's, that's not gonna happen. You're not gonna benefit from it directly. They are not going to return the favor Okay, so these woke corporate interests that you are slavishly um, kowtowing to, they are not going to return the favor. Disney's not going to come out and defend Mike Pence. That ain't going to happen. So for, you might as well 
go to war with them. You might as well push back. You, you literally have nothing to lose. That's the thing conservatives need to understand. It's like, you have, we have nothing to lose in actually fighting back against corporate wokeism. Yeah, we're gonna anger, we're gonna anger the corporations. They're not gonna like us. That's already the case. They already hate us. We just we, Target, okay, is doing business with a an apparel company that sells sa- satanic merchandise. They hate us already. Um, all right. Mediaite has this story. Brittany Griner made her return to the WNBA on Friday night, but her coach believes the fans in Los Angeles should have turned out in greater numbers. Speaking at a news conference after her team went down to a 94-71 defeat at the hands of the LA Sparks, Phoenix Mercury coach Vanessa Nygaard called out the absence of fans at the Crypto.com Arena in LA. She was very upset. She thought more people should have been there for uh, Brittany Griner's debut. Let's watch that clip. It was it was great, but like honestly, come on, LA. Like we didn't sell the arena for BG. Like I expected more. You know, to be honest, right? Like it was great. It was loud, but um, how was how was it not a sellout? How was it not a sellout? Um, how was it not a sellout? I mean, talk about beggars being choosers. Okay, people, and I, I saw the the, the clip of uh, Bernie Griner being introduced. And yeah, it was not a sellout, but there were people there. People came to a WNBA game. It was probably mostly friends and family of Brittany Griner, but still, people showed up on purpose. They bought tickets. They paid literally $15 for a ticket, and they sat there, and they watched it. And you're complaining that it wasn't a sellout? You're you're acting confused about why it wasn't a sellout? Actually, I'll tell you why it wasn't a sellout, all right, if you're really confused about this. Because, and, and here's the reason, um, and this is, this is uh, actually encouraging. Because apparently the media's ability to manufacture star power, their ability to uh, trick us into being interested in something or in someone is limited. They have an enormous amount of power in this area, but it's limited. And they couldn't trick us into caring about Brittany Griner and the WNBA. They, they couldn't do it. Even after making Brittany Griner into a hero and everything, and we had to, uh, you know, we had to swap an arms dealer to get her back. It's so important to get Brittany Griner back, and they made her into this big deal. And then she she uh, comes out as her WNBA return. People don't care. Couldn't trick. They couldn't trick us into caring. Just like they couldn't trick us into caring about Stacey Abrams. So that's pretty much the limit, I think. That's the line. The media, they can fabricate a lot. They can gin up a lot of hysteria. They can make people into stars who wouldn't otherwise be and shouldn't be on the merits. But there is a limit, and we've discovered where the limit is. And uh, the WNBA and Stacey Abrams are a bridge too far. That's the one place where the media says, hey, everyone, you should care about this. It's a big deal. And the public says, "Eh, I don't know. I don't know about that one. So that's good. It's good to know that there is a limit, at least. Let's get to the comment section. Bald Eagle says, if a person wishes to be transgender, that is their business. What I object to are the men pretending to be women, invading women's sports, locker rooms, and changing rooms. They are the problem, not transgenders like Caitlyn Jenner. 
Well, this is interesting to me because your first sentence says it's their business. And then your second sentence explains why it's not just their business. Okay, so you, you, have, you have discovered in your first sentence, you're still the oblivious conservative saying, well, it doesn't affect us at all. Let people do what they want in their own homes. Live and let live. That's all they want. And then in your second sentence, you've discovered that, oh, no, it's not what they want. Because actually, when a man's pretending to be a woman, this is a, this is a, uh, a theatrical production that requires the involvement of society. Otherwise, he can't, he, he can't live as a woman. I mean, it, it's not, see, we are not, here's, here's, listen, Bald Eagle. It turns out, okay, that we are not um, simply atomized individuals living in isolation on our own deserted islands. Uh, we do, in fact, live in a society. It's true. And so if somebody wants to, if a man wants to live as a woman, quote, unquote, that is going to involve society. Okay, the only way that he can, quote, live as a woman, and he can never actually live as a woman, but if he wants to um, engage in the charade of living as a woman, th that requires society. Society is involved in that. Um, because if you're saying, well, someone could be transgender if they want, they can identify as a woman, but I don't want them in the women's locker room, I don't want them in the changing rooms, I'm not going to use the pronouns, well, then what you're actually saying is, well, no, I, I'm not going to respect them it's, I'm not going to respect them pretending to be a woman. It's, it's, it's either or. Um, if, it's, if their self-identity is entirely their business, then, and we should have nothing to say about it, then that means that, yeah, they can use whatever bathroom they want because it's their business, right? It's their self-identity. But no, it's not just your business. When you go out in society and you say, and you're a man, and you say, hey, everyone, I'm a woman. This is who I am. It's no longer just your business. You are recruiting us now. You are involving us in that. And we're going to have something to say about it. And society generally is either going to say, yes, you're a woman. Or, no, you're not. See, that's what it, that's what it comes down to. We, those are the only two responses from society. A third response of, oh, whatever. That doesn't work. Yeah, conservatives tried that kind of response for decades. Tried, tried the, well, uh, you know, I'm neutral. No, because the person making the declaration, they don't want a neutral response either. They haven't left a choice. Yes or no? Are you going to affirm this or not? And I say no. Uh, another comment says, my opinion, Jenner is a conservative and more importantly is on the right side of the assault on women by trans activists. How could he be on the right side of the assault on women? He is actually appropriating womanhood right now. He accepted the Woman of the Year Award. Why is this hard? Look, I know that Caitlyn Jenner is on Fox News. Um, but what we have discovered, and there's a lot more to be said about this, actually, by the way. We'll talk about it tomorrow. But it's, and this should not be news. Fox News is not the um, arbiter of what is actually conservative. Not even close. Okay? So I, I know he's on Fox News. It doesn't mean anything. Okay, you can't have a man who appears on a magazine cover as a woman and has a big uh, interview and comes out as a woman, accepts a woman of the year, and yet is, is on the right side of the assault on women. No, that's, that's the wrong side. That's exactly the wrong side. Conservative. Conservative in what way? 
What do you mean by that? It, it really is time we start defining that term. As much as we demand on the left that they define all the words that they use, and they can't define any of them, starting with the word woman, and we should make that demand. Um, I, I would like to hear some conservatives say, well, he's a conservative. Well, what do you mean by that? What, cons- what, what do you mean? What do you mean conservative? What is, what is he conserving exactly? Because if conservative does not mean conserving um, truth, sanity, common sense, tradition, um, moral truth, you know, if these are not the things that we're conserving as conservatives, then, then, then again, we're not on the same side. Because that's what I mean. And a man dressed up like a woman and who wants to be accepted as a woman and accepts the Woman of the Year Award, he, he cannot possibly be conserving the things that I want to conserve. Um, MAGA Tranny says, why does Matt Walsh feel like he's even the judge on someone's political view and beliefs? Just because someone is transsexual man or transsexual woman doesn't mean we fall on the leftist libtard side. I've been a conservative my entire life. It has absolutely nothing to do with my body or my beliefs and values. Wait, I'm sorry, what? Being conservative has nothing to do with your beliefs and values? Is it in that everything that it has to do with? What are you, what are you talking about? Well, what does it mean then? Now we're, now we're back to this question. I guess we need another documentary. What is a conservative? Um, also, Maddie, don't be confusing two terms of transgender and transsexual. Even us transsexuals don't and will not mix ourselves with the transgenders. If you'd actually do your research rather than pulling S from your back door, you might actually learn we're not all that you make us out to be. Stay in your tracks on the transgender and cross-dressers. Leave the transsexuals out of it. Listen, I'm not interested in these uh, irrelevant, incoherent, fine distinctions. It's, it's not up to me to research. Oh, do your research. These are all invented nonsense terms, okay? Transsexual and transgender, they don't mean anything. It doesn't, it, that doesn't actually exist in reality. You can't really be that. And so you have people that invented these nonsensical concepts and constantly moving the goalposts and, 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 and creating more distinctions without differences. And then you want to use that against me and say, well, you haven't done your research. Because, re- because uh, you know, you're just talking about what we said 30 seconds ago. But 15 seconds ago, we decided there's this other distinction that you should know about. No, I reject all of it. Okay? That's my view. I reject all of it. Males and females, that's it. That's all that exists in the human species. Period. I do not accept any other category. Uh, finally, James Freeman says, definitely agree with uh, way too much self-focus. The modern concept driven by psychology is to love oneself, which drives all this introspection. The original concept of love was to love others, even enemies, while even denying self to the point of loss. By so doing, and contrary to conventional wisdom, taking our eyes off ourselves to love others not only produces good for those whom we love, but a deeper joy, peace, and, and, and hope for ourselves. When we focus on self and don't get what we want, then depression and hopelessness set in. Well, you're right, and that's why this is why the, the concept of self-love has always seemed a little bit incoherent to me. Um, I mean, not, not completely. There, there is a sense in which it makes in which it makes sense. You want to love yourself if the alternative is, is self-loathing. We shouldn't hate ourselves. We are all children of God. And so for that reason alone, we should love ourselves. The problem is when self-love becomes um, the first objective. 
You know, when, when, when we have this idea, well, you have to love your, to work on loving yourself. And this is what we so often hear um, in, this is, this is the popular idea. And you hear it from even the, 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 in the counseling and therapy world, this is the same idea that you have to start there, love yourself first, and then you can work on loving other people. And what does that mean? It just means that you're walking around every day in this fog of your own ego and your own self-obsession constantly. What does it mean to work on loving yourself? It's, it's, what is that? What kind of work is that? So you're just sitting around thinking about yourself. Hmm, how do I feel about myself right now? And until I feel exactly how I should feel, I can't, I can't love anybody else. Um, it's, it's absurd. Now, the, the, the better approach is to stop thinking about yourself for five seconds and work on loving other people. Because loving other people is an active choice. It's a thing that we do. It involves sacrifice. It involves giving. You know, That's what loving other people is. And I'm not, you know, as a, as a husband and a father, I can't sit here and say, well, I, you know, sorry, kids. I, I, I'm not sure if I love you right now because I, I have to work on myself first. I can, I can feel all different ways about myself. You know, sometimes I feel better about myself. Sometimes I feel worse. Like, like anybody else, your emotions are all over the place. Um, but my kids are my kids. My wife is my wife. And I, and I would rather just think about that and focus on that. I think that's the better approach. You can never start thinking about Father's Day gifts too early. And a gift of Jeremy's Razors is dual purpose. Not only are you helping your dad look his best each day, you're also kicking woke out of his bathroom. There is no other razor that can do that. Shaving, it's not just about grooming. It's about embracing masculinity and feeling like a real man. You can save 30% off on Jeremy's Razors select bundles and razor starter sets. As part of our Father's Day sale, go to jeremysrazors.com today and help dad kick woke out of his bathroom. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Wails of horror could be heard across the land on Sunday in response to a decision from a federal judge in Mississippi. This is a complicated case, but the end result is that because of the decision, a high school boy will be required to follow the boy's dress code at his graduation ceremony. So actually, it's not complicated at all, I guess. And actually, the wails of horror were from the ACLU and various trans activists and the media, but not from any normal human beings. Here's the report from The Guardian, quote, a transgender girl in Mississippi did not participate in her high school graduation ceremony on Saturday because school officials told her to dress like a boy and a federal judge did not block the official's decision, an attorney for the girl's family said. We must note, as always, that in this story, transgender girl means boy and her and she mean him and he. So that's the, that's the special decoder ring that you have to uh, use to make sense of this gibberish. Continuing, quote, Linda Morris, staff attorney at the American Civil Liberty Union's Women's Rights Project, said the ruling handed down late on Friday by federal judge Taylor McNeil in the Mississippi city of Gulfport, quote, is as disappointing as it is absurd. Quote, our client is being shamed and humiliated for explicitly discriminatory reasons, and her family is being denied a once-in-a-lifetime milestone in their daughter's life. Morris said, no one should be, uh, should be forced to miss their graduation because of their gender. The ACLU confirmed that the 17-year-old girl, listed in court papers only by her initials, LB, would skip the Saturday ceremony for Harrison Central High in uh, Gulfport. So another quick aside, but important to note, the school absolutely did not deny the student the right to participate in the graduation ceremony. He is invited to attend along with the rest of his peers. He has chosen to not attend, and that's a really important detail. Continuing, quote, the student has met the qualifications to receive a diploma, according to local public school district's attorney, uh, Wynn Clark. The ACLU sued the district on Thursday on behalf of the student and her parents after Harrison Central Principal Kelly Fuller and School District Superintendent Mitchell King 
told LB that she must follow the boys' clothing rules. Graduating boys are expected to wear white shirts and black slacks, and girls are expected to wear white dresses. LB had selected a dress to wear with her cap and gown. The lawsuit said LB had worn dresses to classes and extracurricular events throughout high school, including to a prom last year, and she uh, should not face discriminatory treatment during graduation. King told LB's mother that the teenager could not participate in the graduation ceremony unless LB wears pants, socks, and shoes like a boy, according to the lawsuit. Yes, this is what is known as a dress code. They're very common in schools and workplaces and at formal events. But this somehow is news to trans activists who, as noted, reacted to this case with all of the psychotic hysteria you've come to expect. I could give you dozens of examples of this, uh, but, but that'd probably be overkill. Instead, just let's, I'll, I'll give you just this tweet from trans-identified male Aaron Reed, and I think it should suffice. He posted, quote, this is a terrifying court decision. It's explicitly making it so that your assigned sex at birth determines what clothes you can wear. The speed in which fascism is encroaching is unreal. This is what eradication looks like. Oh, it is? So eradication looks like requiring a boy to wear pants? I guess this explains why it's such a struggle to get my boys dressed for church on Sunday. You know, I thought I was just making them look presentable, but apparently I'm committing genocide against my own flesh and blood. But I can't be blamed for it. I'm a victim as well. In fact, just the other week, I went to a restaurant uh, for some reason that required men to wear sports coats. I was literally eradicated while I ate dinner. They served my ribeye with a side of hate crime. And yet somehow I survived. I don't know how. But, you know, that's a totally different situation. The trans activists will insist it's okay for me to be subjected to dress code rules or any other rules. It's okay for you. It's okay for almost everyone, but trans people are special. Trans people are mystical, magical creatures, and they must be made exempt from any and all rules. That's what this is really about. This quote-unquote trans girl, also known as a boy, is claiming that he's been singled out and excluded by a policy that has been applied equally to thousands of other students. So by not being granted a special exemption, he is a special victim. By not being singled out, he is being singled out. And every claim of trans oppression is exactly like this. The trans person claims to be marginalized if he is merely treated the same as everybody else, which is the exact opposite of marginalization. But, it, but if rules and policies and the very laws of biology are not rewritten for his sake, then he's a victim. He's being eradicated. And this is why I've always said that the core of trans ideology is narcissism. The fundamental confusion at the crux of this whole thing is, is not the belief that boys are girls and girls are boys, but rather it's the belief that the individual trans person is the center of the universe. There was the geocentric theory of the cosmos, which was replaced by the heliocentric model, which um, of, the, of the solar system anyway, which has now been replaced again with the egocentric model. Because even before all of the confusion about biology, this is the great fallacy that drives trans ideology. And it's why we need this kind of response from the school in Mississippi. And I've even seen some alleged conservatives, not surprisingly, taking the side of trans activists on this issue, claiming that the school is being overly harsh and legalistic. Hey, just let the kid wear what he wants. Why not? What's the harm? Well, the harm is exactly what we're all living through right now. A society where a privileged group gets to claim special entitlements for themselves and become so accustomed to these entitlements that they'll start convulsing and shrieking and making claims of genocide. 
if they're ever deprived of it. The harm is a culture of pathological narcissism, and it's a pretty significant harm if you hadn't noticed. But the solution is simple. Just do exactly what the school is doing. Set the rules, apply them to everybody equally. Lay out the penalties for those who disobey, impose those penalties fairly and dispassionately. Let the trans crowds scream hysterically about how special they are and about how all the, 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 you know, all the special considerations they deserve. Ignore them because such silliness deserves to be ignored. Okay, when you have someone screaming and crying, a boy screaming and crying because he wants to wear a dress, uh, even though you know, all the other boys are wearing uh, uh, pants, that's not something we even need to pay attention to. You don't need to go over and console the boy. This is like, get over it and, and, get a, and go with the program, okay? Here's your dress code. Here's your bathroom. Here's your sports team. Don't like it? That's your problem. You're not going to make it everybody else's problem. You are not special, okay? This is what the, the trans people upset about this. This is what you have to understand. You are not special. You are a person just like everyone else. And there are certain rules and policies that everybody in history has been fine with and got along with, and you can too. Get with the program or go cry in a corner. It's up to you. But we're not catering to you one way or another. This is the way. And of course, it begins with telling all of those who demand special treatment that you are today canceled. That'll do it for this portion of the show as we move over to the members block. Hope to see you there. If not, talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Godspeed.